Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Jared Pope, founder and CEO of WorkShield. WorkShield is a platform that helps organizations effectively manage reporting, investigation, and resolution of workplace harassment, discrimination, and misconduct incidents. Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you back on the show. It's always fun. It is. So in a recent survey, the McKinsey Institute highlighted three major trends that will likely continue to reshape the future of work as we know it. And so those three areas they noted were remote work, e-commerce, and the adoption of automation and AI. And so to just kind of kick off our conversation about the future of work, what do you think HR's role is in kind of shaping that future? You know, it's interesting, especially with, let's take the first one with remote work, HR's role in that. They, they have one of the hardest jobs, first and foremost. And generally speaking, underpaid, overworked is everyone in HR, but yet they're almost like the dumping ground, like, hey, go solve this problem. And with remote work, when we started with COVID and then they had to solve the problem of how do we create productivity in a remote work environment? You know, they did a really good job on that. And I think now what's happening with this trend of remote work, I think it's going to be semi-remote. They have this mandate to say, hey, how do we keep people active within the company to where they feel included? They feel a part of the team. Maybe some people want to work from home from this remote work standpoint. But at the same time, you're having most of the executives and leaders in a company saying, hey, we want to bring everybody back together to have that collaborative approach, which is great. But now, does that work for everybody? Certainly not. Everybody's different. Each team is different, especially depending on size and what industry you're in. But generally speaking, HR has got this solution that they have to find that says, okay, you got to marry what generally executives want, but also you got to marry with the employee, the team members that say, hey, I just spent two years traveling abroad working. Now you want me to come back to Texas and come work in the office? Like what's going on here? And I think what they're going to have to do is just find a natural balance and In our experience with the clients that we serve and and help out with, most of them, if not all of them, are saying, okay, hey, we're going to create a transition plan. We're going to create a plan where you're going to come into the office two to three days a week. And those days where you're working from home, which some people say, well, which days do you make those? It's not Monday and it's not Friday. Because what they've seen is the Monday and Friday remote works generally stop a little bit sooner, start a little bit later, they're on a vacation or they, they're off on the street to go explore whatever new area they're in to where now they're saying, hey, maybe that could be a Wednesday or a Tuesday or Thursday or Wednesday that you can work from home. And so I think they have this kind of unbelievable task of saying, hey, make everybody happy and nobody upset. It's impossible. You can't do that. You know, they're just going to have to strategize to figure out, okay, do they base it on division? Do they base it on location, where people are? And then, you know, you got to marry the different dynamics of an older generation that's still working versus a younger generation that wants the freedom to move about. 
But at the same time, a younger generation that demands, I want teaching, I want to learn more, I want to be promoted, I want to go do this. And so I think each side has to be willing to meet at some point in the middle to where if you want that teaching, you want that learning, you want that mentorship, you want that growth within a company, it's probably going to take some interpersonal meetings and collaboration and being with each other. Because as much as we Zoom all the time, can you really understand who that person is? Yeah. It may be hard versus hey, you're in the office, let's go grab a burger real quick. Tell me more about your family, about what's happening. What do you like? What do you not like? What's your goals? You know, What's your bucket list items that you want to achieve? Now we can ask those questions on a Zoom, but it's not personal. There's something to be said about that organic in-person connection that can't always be facilitated in like a digital conversation. And from most of the conversations I've been having regarding like the shift to hybrid work is that each company is going to have to make unique individual decisions based on the division, their workforce, the situations. But the core of all those decisions has to be a basis of trust and an openness to flexibility and communication, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. So that's, I guess, the first one, remote work. The second one, I think you mentioned it's automation and AI. Yeah, there was another one about e-commerce, but that doesn't directly relate to HR. But automation AI is one of those huge topics in all aspects of business, especially in the HR space. It's almost like two separate animals. You know, let's take automation. Automation's key because HR is being asked to do more things faster with more precision than anything else. And at the same time, there's only one person. They're asked to be kind of anywhere and everywhere all at the same time. And so automation is going to be key. So what elements of HR can we automate? Is it, for example, you have a question on payroll. Can we automate those questions? You know, can we automate the issues that get brought up within an organization through the HR team? Whether it's just, hey, where do I find this training? Where do I find this policy? You know, my cord broke to my computer on the charging. Where do they normally go? Well, they go to HR. You know, can we automate some of those day-to-day routines and tasks? You have other aspects too, where, you know, how do you check in with people? Everything with technology is more and more and more, faster, faster, faster. But at the same time, there's got to be someone checking to make sure like, hey, is this what's right? Which leads us into AI. It's amazing what it can do. It's so cool, everything that it can do, whether it's chat GPT, all the way to artificial intelligence, helping you figure out issues and questions and whatever the case may be. But I think we have to take a step back, and so does HR, that they can't allow AI to run HR. It's human resources. You need to keep the human in it. That's right. And remember that AI is ultimately just a tool to help that human aspect. And it's interesting. So I have a a son who's 15. He's a freshman in high school. And the schools are now figuring out, which I akin to HR, right? They're dealing with a lot of personalities and a lot of drama. (laughs) And so one of the biggest things they're doing is like this chat GPT deal. Great. It's automated. But what you're finding is it uses the same words over and over again, like conversely, or therefore like some analogy. And, you know, we've had people that we use outside of WorkShield, some vendors of ours, where they're, we can tell they're using ChatGPT or some automated tool because it doesn't sound like a human would write it. Yeah, it doesn't have that human voice to it. It's almost like, hey, tell me about the beautiful day today. 
and you get a description that looks like quantitative analytics about, well, the sun was at 52 degrees coming down and, you know, created this burst of whatever to make the sky blue. And, you know, the, the sun was rising at this level. I mean, it's like, who writes like that? Nobody does except chat GPT. The reason why I bring that up is they're reminding the students and HR has to remind their population, their team members that there's a human element to life. And it seems kind of, well, duh, there is, but we're so fixated on automation with AI. But the moment we take that human element out, we're doomed. Exactly. And as you said it very eloquently, it's human resources. You can't take the human aspect out of the human resources. Otherwise, you're just going to have resources. And then who's going to drive it? Who's going to make sure it's correct? Who's going to make sure it's applicable for what those resources provide? I think even with the rules that are coming out, the decisions that are coming out, even by the EOC and the DOL, is that automation can actually get you in trouble and AI. Yeah, the ethics behind the use of AI and automation is always fascinating just because even though it's a technology, it's built by humans. So you need to be aware of that bias and whether or not you're leaning into it or mitigating the risk there. Yeah. I mean, like, and you think about like our development team, there's some really cool technology that can automate or artificial intelligence. You can have AI where it can write some code, but you still need someone to review the code. You can't just plug it in. I think sometimes people forget that the moment you move that human element out and you don't double check it, you don't correct it, you don't make sure it's tailored to your specific culture, your vision, your idea, the human-centric aspects of your company, see you later. Yeah, it's no longer an effective tool. It's just a a sort of stopgap in a rush to be fast, but not necessarily be precise almost. You're the hare, not the tortoise. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. Speaking of AI, just how it's shaping the workplace beyond ethics, how do you think AI and automation and those sort of resources are going to shape the workforce regarding hiring and learning and development and sort of data-driven decision-making? Well, I think people need to understand that if you're not doing something that's specialized and skilled, and you're in a profession that can be automated through AI, you need to quickly adapt. And so I think AI is great. I think the automation of that is great. The bad part of that, if there's a quote unquote bad part, is it's going to put some people out of jobs. Now, when the assembly line was created, that's a form of AI, right? You have this assembly line and well, wait, we put together via hand these cars and now we have this assembly line and you know, it's putting people out, but it's also creating more work for other people. And so what you have to do is you have to embrace the fact that AI is everywhere. And unless you're in a industry that requires that human element, then you'll be fine. But if you're not, you need to learn pretty quickly. You need to go take some courses, maybe study some technology. And it's amazing. I'll give you a prime example. We've recently have hired some developers And the most recent one uh, we hired, it was a a mid-level developer, full-stack developer. And within two weeks, we had 900 applications. Oh, wow. 900 in two weeks for an in-office job. And it was interesting because of those applications that came in, we physically looked at each one. And when they came in, and there are certain qualifiers, of course, that you have to have, but there were a lot of resumes that came in that were 
in an industry not related to technology, but then you would see, hey, they're at this boot camp. So they're learning technology, they're learning code, which I thought was amazing. It was really awesome to see because they're realizing the industry that they were in is going to be automated and somewhat become extinct, not extinct from an industry level, but extinct from a human job perspective to where automation AI is going to pretty much put it out of business. I think that's what people have to understand is that it's not going anywhere. It's not going to go away. You just got to embrace it. And it's how you embrace that new era in which we are entering. And I think the key word is adaptability. I think you got to adapt. Specifically regarding your experience with like that huge amount of job applicants, I've seen this really interesting shift in the recruiting and L&D space to that adaptability, to highlighting your soft skills. Because even if you started off in a different industry, if you have the leadership qualities or the furthering of your education to fit a new space, you make yourself that much more hireable and marketable. Yeah, absolutely. We've had people that we are here that weren't even in the technology space, went to boot camp. We brought them in as a junior developer. We trained them up. And now they're, you know, it's amazing to see the shift that's happened from the industry that they were in. Now they're handling hot fixes, doing coding, developing, helping out with our, our vision and our mapping of where we're headed to as a company. And it's, it's really neat to see. That's what I call adaptability and the success of being able to adapt. Yeah. And just like, not my experience exactly, but just having people come from different sectors and different areas, like my uncle's in insurance. And he said some of his favorite hires are people who didn't major in business. They majored in the humanities because they have a unique problem solving angle that you might not learn through traditional business classes and studying econ. But you're like, oh, like I read this book and this book taught me how to troubleshoot in a creative way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. One of the other things that has been kind of top of mind in a lot of HR leaders' spaces is investing in employee engagement and mental health because they're so essential for company culture and retention. So what are some best practices for cultivating a human-centric culture, especially as we've seen society sort of shift to this more tech-focused approach and integration in work? This is a fun topic. So everybody wants a more human-centric workplace culture. And we just talked about people wanting remote work. Which is inherently not physically there, (laughs) not present. And so what I often tell people is the number one best approach, if you want a human-centric culture or human-centric approach, is bring people together. That's the best way, number one. That's the only way in which you're going to have that pure human interaction, that human-centric approach to where we can understand and talk to individuals and, and really know like, hey, how's it going? What's happening today? Tell me what's happening outside of life, of work, because all of that's important. And I think we've seen the importance of that, especially through COVID, because mental wellness, suicides, everything, it all increased through COVID. Because I think people forgot to appreciate the ability to go have lunch with somebody, to sit at the water cooler and talk to them or go to their office and visit uh, and create those relationships, those friendships, the, the colleagues, the caring nature of companies. And when they went with COVID and, and remained in remote work, Isolation just upticked like crazy. And it still is. It's still in the news how isolated workers are. Well, look at the number of suicides, especially with young ones. 
I mean, that's increasing more and more. And I think that has to do with this kind of remote work environment, the remote schooling. And yet we're asking HR to figure out a solution. But oh, by the way, address the human centric approach, but keep everybody remote. Good luck. That's an impossible task. It goes back to what you said earlier. You can't make everyone happy. They're opposed. Ultimately, you can't achieve everything you want while fully remote. Right. I think the human centric approach, there are things that HR can do from, you know, a lot of people say, oh, let's have a get together. Let's have these parties. And culture is more than just ping pong tables. Let's do a lunch. It's really about making sure you see, you hear, and you value the people that you work with. And those could be through little connections that occur where it's stopping in saying, hey, how was your weekend? Or, hey, I know it was your birthday this weekend. Tell me what was your favorite thing to do? And so you're learning a little bit more about that person, or you hear maybe something happened, their dog got sick or is having a tough time. Hey, I heard what happened to Roscoe. You know, I hope he's okay. Is there anything we can do? And it's remembering that our teammates are individuals and humans first. And as long as you know that, and you understand there's a life outside of the four walls that we work in, then you should be okay. And I think in turn, that leads to better mental engagement, better mental health. And I'm a big believer of if you look at most individuals that have a routine of some physical activity or some way to get some of the thoughts out, because there's science behind physical activity and being in a better, happier, more effective mood and environment to where, look, I can only tell you what I know. But I know if I don't run two or three miles a day, if I don't get some form of workout, you know, unless it's a rest day or something like that, it, it, it's you're going to be able to tell because it's it's almost like a heightened anxiety. And you're like, oh, what is this? I have all this energy. I need to go release it. Right. I'm the same way. Like I, I have to go to the gym. I have to get that rush endorphins, get like the cortisol out, just kind of sweat it through. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it can also be, and people may laugh at this, walk your dog around the block. Go for a 10-minute walk. Oh, I go for walks when I can't get myself to the gym. Trust me, it, it makes a difference. You know, they, and that's also what's interesting is, you know, we talk about our teammates and there'll be times during the middle of the day where I'll get up out of my office and I'll just go walk outside for a little bit just to get that sun, that energy and come back. And it's amazing what it does. And so I think all of, all of it's interconnected. And that's the great thing about life. It's a great thing about where we are as individuals, as a community, that everything's connected and, and it all affects the other thing, the other aspect that we're talking about, which is this human-centric approach. Well, it's like the chicken or the egg. Which one comes first? Well, they both come first. Yeah. And you got to address both of them. I also love to see with HR, what they're doing is saying, hey, we're not so scared to talk about the mental side of things. And and I think there is a lacking, though, of this kind of male-centric openness that, you know, you see it all on Instagram and TikTok. And it's like, hey, when other people have problems, we're always there to listen to them. But when the male feels like, hey, I'm having all these issues, their number one thing is, I'll just figure it out. Yeah, there's something to be said about creating and learning to rely on an environment where you can lean on other people for support or feel safe enough to express that you're struggling. Yeah. And I think that's got to get better, especially with with men to be able to have that openness to do it. We lived in a society where men didn't talk about the problems. They had a cocktail at night, they went to the bar and 
They might have talked to one or two other guys about it. But slapped a bandaid on it, called it a day. Yeah, just like, well, figure it out. Let's just go. And then you try to bury those issues. And then eventually that's where we've had so many of these trigger points, you know, these snapped (laughs) incidents to where, you know, it's all related. And it, it comes back to the HR side of things. We're asking them to solve all these problems. Again, HR is the dumping ground sometimes by executives, and it's not fair. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to the population, to the team members. It's not fair to the executives or the company as a whole. So they have a big task. Yeah. Teamwork seems to be the underlying energy we should take into 2024. Absolutely. Flexibility and supporting each other. Compassion with adaptability. Yeah, exactly. And, And empathy and understanding too. Yeah, that's right. So I, you know, I close this podcast out the same way every single time. What are you looking forward to this weekend? You know, my son, I mentioned him earlier. His name is Harmon. He's a freshman. He's a a cross country runner. And it's his first year to run cross country. And I ran cross country at TCU and track and field. And so obviously it's a big thing with me. And I was wondering if you, you two bonded on that since you mentioned running earlier. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but he has a meet down in Houston. And so I get to go down there later today and watch him run tomorrow. And I enjoy seeing the young men and the young women who run cross country. It's I think it's one of the hardest sports because you got to be persistent. You got to be mentally tough. You got to fight through pain and you got to be willing to do it. You don't run cross country to not hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a beautiful sight when they cross the line and they start and they work as a team. And so that's one of the things that uh, I'm going to enjoy this weekend. And then I, I think my family nights, it's my birthday coming up. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. I think we're having a little birthday dinner on Saturday with the, with the family. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. Oh, that sounds fantastic. That sounds like a really good weekend. But Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really been a pleasure getting to speak with you again. Uh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, love the show. Love the podcast. I just am, am happy I get to, get to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you too. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.